You're listening to the Assistance Together podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Hallie. It's so fantastic to have you here today. I really appreciate that you're giving up your time to speak to me. Thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I have a million questions. I'm Henrietta Barker and I am obsessed with Hallie Warner and I am not the only one. I think it's always fascinating to hear people's career paths and now knowing what I know, I would have absolutely pursued this as a career, um, but I didn't know it existed really as a career path when I um, was fresh out of college. You're listening to the Assistance Together podcast, a weekly podcast with people who share their stories really candidly and their insight into being an assistant. Um, so I totally fell into it. I um, started, gosh, what did I, what did I do right after college? Uh, I mean, I was just looking for anything at that point, right? Um, I did really enjoy reading, writing. I was an English major. I minored in business. So the business was kind of just like a throwaway thing. Turns out that's probably what I should have focused on. Um, <laughs> however, I loved reading and writing, but I had no desire to ever be, um, most English majors under going into like education or teaching, and that was never my desire, or maybe journalism. I very quickly realized that um, I'm such an introvert, having to like interview people constantly would have been a total mismatch for me in my career. So I ended up um, working for a nonprofit for about a year and a half and uh, doing marketing, marketing, public relations. So I did get to use a lot of my writing skills, doing copy, press releases, um, I introduced them to social media. They had never used social media before. So they started using that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know those are the early days. We had a MySpace page. Oh, I love it. <laughs> our, our nonprofit. Yeah. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. Um, so I introduced them to that. And so I think I started to un- like started getting my feet wet in not just the really the assistant world, but more so in um, business. I mean, nonprofit yeah was a business. And so I really loved learning the intricacies of what was going on and how to promote the organization and how to get donations and um, all of that. And then that led me into um, being an executive assistant. Actually, my next job wasn't as an EA about a year and a half later after a brief stint at a position that was not the right fit for me Um, and became an EA, did that for about a year and a half at a large, I was the EA to a principal at a large public high school. Um, don't really know how I got that job. (laughs) Honestly, I was like 23 years old and this was a large school. Um, but it was in a very rural area and I don't think their talent base was huge. It was probably a town of like 5,000 people. So, um, I had that opportunity, which was really great. Learned the basics of administration, which was invaluable, like really learned the things like calendar management and how to prep him for his meetings and and information to keep it, you know, top of mind to make sure he was aware of. Um, So learned kind of those basic skills. And then from there, I thought I wanted to be a real estate agent and was like, well, I'm so risk averse. I need a steady paycheck. So I'll be an assistant at a real estate firm. Oh, good thinking. Yes. And I'll (laughs) learn, I'll learn the basics and then I'll become an agent. And then I got my foot in the door working with Adam. That was about 10 years ago. Um, worked with a ton of agents, quickly saw what they did. And I was like, I never want to do what they do. (laughs) And started really focusing on what was behind the scenes in the business and was like, okay, this is where where I need to be. So from there, the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah. And well-documented history too, which is something I love because I have people endlessly on zooms picking up your book and saying I'm reading this at the moment have you read it and I was like and recently it's been great because I've been like oh yeah I'm gonna interview her soon (laughs) so I was like I'm gonna ask her about it and that process of joining a business and identifying what was happening behind the scenes do what kind of things did you did sort of start to interest you and excite you about what the possibilities were, because it sounds like it created a kind of of spark of interest that Mm -hmm. you weren't aware was there necessarily. What were the things that were happening that that made you want to sort of delve into that more deeply? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, I was definitely involved a little bit more on like the marketing and uh, operations side of things. 
so that really, I mean, I've always been very interested in PR and yeah. I don't want to say marketing really necessarily, but definitely PR more so than, than marketing. So I got to start seeing, well, how do we really position our organization to get in front of clients and how do we um, work on messaging that is um, going to cut through the noise. So I did get to work on a lot of those things, which I really enjoyed doing. And that's all behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, because Adam would often be the one who would be them presenting that information. It wasn't me. And that's great. I don't want to be the person presenting that yeah. information. Um, so that really interested me. Um, we were it, we were growing, a growing organization. Um, so I'd never been that um, constant in, in an area where I was constantly growing. Yeah. It was just I was every day I was learning something new we didn't necessarily know what we were doing half the time. We were just trying to figure it out as we went. And that was, I mean, that's my jam. Yeah. Doing research, figuring things out, um, putting some processes in place, figuring out who's going to do what, um, solving problems. So yeah. I think that's what really excited me was solving problems all day. Um, yeah. And I mean, there were certain aspects I could have cared less about. I'm not really into the financials. Do I understand P&Ls and the financial implications of things? Absolutely that's not where I spend a lot of my time. I spend more of my time again on content creation, messaging, um, PR, working with, you know, with Adam on whatever projects we're working on, leadership, hiring great people and to bring into our organization, culture, mess again, messaging, vision. That's where I like to live. Um, so yeah, I think I just, for, for me, it was more so the learning. Um, there was just so much to learn about the business. So that really, really interest me, interested me. Um, and that it was just endless. There was always something new to learn. Once we mastered, okay, how do we work with our clients? Great. Well, then how do we actually get more clients? Okay. Now that we've done that, how do we expand into a different state? Um, okay, great. We did that. Then how do we bring on um, new divisions or uh, revenue streams? It was just, it was just constant evolution from there. Well, so exciting as well, isn't it? Because that energy and enthusiasm kind of really pushes you forward and if more opportunities are there for you to grow and develop, why would you not take them? Because it's just mm -hmm. it's just so diverse, the amount of work that you've been involved with within the business. Yeah, and I, I think that's such a great, um, one of the best opportunities for assistance is that we do see everything. And mm -hmm. I always say this, that I could I could have gone so, because we were I was in a growing organization, mm -hmm. I could have gone a million different directions within the company. I could have become a real estate agent. That would have been a, a great path for me. Well, a great option for me. I would not have done well in it, I don't think. Um, but it would have been a great option. I could have decided to go down more of the operations path, or I could have gone down our customer and client success team path, or, you know, there were so many options because I got to see everything and try a little bit of everything, which yeah. very few people in the company get to do. But I do think that we assistants get to do that. And it's a huge opportunity for us to learn and try things and figure out where we want to, you know, where we want to take our career. And I, um, you know, I did a lot of research and I did a lot of like soul searching to decide where I wanted to take my career about three or four years in um, to working with Adam and realized that what I'm doing now is where I want to be. But again, I could have very easily gone a, a different, a different route, um, which I think is the coolest part of our jobs is that we had, there's so many things that we could, could uh, learn and, and dive into. Oh, 100%. I mean, in industries and types of roles, the variety is endless. And that I feel like that must be very freeing. You know, my job is, <clears throat> there are different ways that I can do it, but I can't, I can't change it and be as flexible and in a kind of growth mindset in the same way as assistance, because I'm limited in the style of work that I do. So even if I changed industry, which I don't think I could now, I have to work with assistance. But it's it's just sounds very freeing to have the opportunity to expand and grow mm -hmm. and change your whole career trajectory, which is what you've been able to do and negotiate and manage through that process. And I I wonder I wonder if you could talk to us about the sort of transition into a chief of staff role mm -hmm. and what that was like for you. Given that you've said you know you like to do your research and you like to be able to be able to really assess opportunities and things happening. How did it feel? When was the moment that you knew that that's something you wanted to do? Was it, was there a clear moment or was it something that kept 
evolving naturally the role and that sort of led you into being a chief of staff? Yeah, I feel like it was a little bit of both. So because I worked, you know, one-on-one, one-on-one for a while with um, a serial entrepreneur, I I got to do that blended role between like an EA and a chief of staff or what some people might call senior EA or, or whatever you want to call it. I was never just tactical. I was always very... Um, very strategic, had a, my hands in a lot of different of our um, growth opportunities. Um, I was able to bring a lot of different ideas to the table that we then imp- that I then implemented, right? Like yeah. now I don't have to implement as well. <laughs> I can just have the idea. But in the beginning, it w- I just did it all. Um, I was his personal assistant, his executive assistant, chief of staff, like everything. Um, but I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time. I just thought, you know, I'm his assistant, I'm his force multiplier. I do whatever needs to get done to help him, Adam, and our company grow. That's mm-hmm. all I knew. And then um, our company started really growing. Yeah. And I was like, I'm probably not gonna be able to do this by myself forever. And so that's when, it was probably about four or five years in when we started trying to figure out, and there was a lot of trial and error, what's the next position? What what help, what help do I need? Where do I wanna go? Um, so we actually kind of went through a couple of different assistants. Yeah. Um, did we, and then we had actually ended up hiring full positions, like a full-time marketing person, a full-time operations person to take full positions off of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that worked for a little while. And then about four or five years into uh, working with Adam, that's when I started doing a ton of research. I knew I loved being that right hand, mm-hmm. but I knew that there was some different paths for me to go down. And the two that I identified um, through a lot of research was a a chief operating officer uh, or chief of staff. Mm -hmm. And I did a ton of research. I mean, I read every book I could get my hands on, articles, white papers, listening to podcasts um, about those two roles. And very, through that research, I very quickly identified not only was the chief of staff role what I wanted to be doing long-term, it actually was largely what I was already doing. Yeah. I just needed to take off some of the day-to-day stuff that I was also doing. And then I could really be in that role. So that was maybe like five years ago. Um, yeah, four or five years ago when that transition really happened. And then probably in the past three years, I've been fully in that chief of staff role and it's exactly where I'm meant to be. I'm fully aligned and I get to do what I love to do every day. Yeah, I feel, um, I feel that this, understanding of where you want to be can be difficult for assistants when they're doing a kind of blended role in that way often Mm -hmm. the opportunity doesn't arise for them to be able to disconnect the more tactical part of their role and really embrace the chief of staff role Mm -hmm. i see people who are struggling trying to do both at the same time and maybe it's the awareness of what's possible now that we have more of the language to describe it because, mm-hmm. you know, years ago, we didn't have chief of staff roles at all, or they certainly weren't called that though. I know that, you know, we can executive assistant, assistant, we can go through the whole gambit. It's very confusing yes. role wise yes. anyway. So it, that creates another element of it, but being able to disconnect from the tactical side did you find that a difficult transition to make or were you so ready after doing your research you were like okay bye i'm i know what i want to do now and i'm gonna go and do it (laughs) yeah no it was incredibly hard and there was i mean there were probably a couple of years um that maybe more than a couple of years maybe like three or four years where i really did a a very blended role and yes i had support in different areas but i was still very involved in the tactics and doing both. I mean, I was doing both for a long time and it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I hit, hit it very well. Um, nobody would have known it was a struggle, but it, it except for maybe Adam, <laughs> but, um, it, but it was, I mean, it is very hard to do both at the level that both Adam expects, but more so that I expect of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was hard. And, and really where the, it, the hard came in is that I just worked a ton um, because if you're doing essentially two jobs, I mean, you're working, you know, 80 hours a week. Um, so yeah, it was a struggle. And then the, uh, the second piece came was, it was very hard to give up the tactical I'd been doing it and it's second nature to me. And I had to really probably for like a year or two after we got a great, um, assistant in, um, Amy, who's with us now, um, she, I had to like, really like, I had to ask her, tell me when I'm doing the stuff 
that I shouldn't be doing. Like, you've got to tell me because I'm just going to keep on doing it. Yeah. Um, I just had like my blinders on. It's like, get it done, get it done. Um, but now I'm in this space where I have space mm-hmm. and it is so amazing because I know that she's going to take care of all the day to day, the minutiae. And it is, it does allow me to really be in my sweet spot, which I appreciate so much. Yeah. And I, I wonder what your thoughts are about this, because I feel that um, we can all get to the point, you know, when you, you talk about the sweet spot and or being in alignment or, you know, getting to a point in our careers where we're really utilizing everything that we've learned and being able to put it into practice and develop on those skills that we really have, you know, like not just the execution of, of tasks, as you said, but really developing that. And it's great in a way to hear that it wasn't easy. I'm sorry for you, it wasn't easy. <laughs> but I feel that often we can kind of romanticize that transition as if it will become a different role. And, and you know, I think chief of staff is quite a sort of sexy term for a lot of people. It's quite an aspirational term. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate you, you know, being honest about that experience because I feel like we expect a lot from ourselves in trans times of transition and whenever we're trying to sort of level up for want of a better expression mm-hmm. those seem to be the hardest moments ever <laughs> ever ever and yeah so just hearing that you found it difficult to kind of let go of things mm-hmm. was really useful but you also had so many other elements of responsibility so if people were taking on the marketing and they were doing other things that evolution must have started the process earlier on as you were hiring more and more people Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. i was it was easy to give up it was easy to give up a lot of things that didn't directly touch or affect adam Mm -hmm. um it was the things that directly affected him his schedule his yeah. you know, preparing for meetings, the relationship management between him and other people that I've been managing the relationships with for years. Those were the, those were the um, more, sometimes it's still difficult if I'm like, oh, how's that person doing? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I haven't talked to them in a long time. Um, but uh, Amy's been with us for, I think, almost three years now, a little over three years. So she's very, you know, intimately involved with everything that we're doing as well. But yeah, it took, a, it took a while. If it affected him, I was always, you know, double checking in the back. I put, you know, put things in place to make sure that I get the information I need so that I wasn't always, you know, micromanaging or worrying all of the time. Um, but that was a process too. Yeah. And um, I, I just wanted to mention this one thing kind of back to the whole transition that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned that it's like this aspirational thing. Mm-hmm. I always like, just like to remind people that it, it, the chief of staff role is just another job. Yeah. Just the, just another job, just like a, a marketing director, a COO, a CFO, an executive assistant. Not everybody is, is it's not, different jobs are meant for different people. I would never have been a great CFO, um, just as I'm not the best person to be an EA. But there are amazing, amazingly talented executive assistants out there that um, they can they can lead in their own role, but that doesn't necessarily mean they also need to be a chief of staff. We yeah. need those incredibly detail-oriented, um, you know, relationship-based, uh, you know, tactical geniuses um, to lead and manage the the day-to-day pieces of the office of the CEO or of the executive. I would be lost without having an EA on our team. Um, and I do think that sometimes we think, oh, the next step is a chief of staff or the, um, I need to become this more strategic thinker. Yes, I do think that um, you know, have leadership skills and strategic thinking skills are really important. However, they're just two different jobs yeah. and, and it's different people are better suited for one over the other based on their behavior, based on their career goals, based on what they enjoy doing. Um, so I don't ever want, uh, and myself included, I don't ever want to lose the importance of both roles. Um, because again, I'd be lost without having an EA on our team. Yeah, no, I think it's a great distinction and such an important one because you're right, it can be, we can idolize or look up to uh, different jobs and opportunities, but sometimes to quote, you know, your sweet spot is in an executive assistant role and really yeah. developing that and that 
and knowing there's so much power in knowing what you want and taking the opportunity and the steps to be able to create that for yourself. While if you are focused on trying to get somewhere that doesn't really resonate with you as a person, then that's also really intimidating and kind of bewildering because you're not really necessarily going to enjoy it. It's not the process for you. There's a lot of power in understanding. Yeah. I would love to ask you about what influential leadership means to you. Mm. It's kind of a big question, isn't it? <laughs> I've thrown it out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think that leadership is influence. Mm -hmm. So um, influential leadership is almost it's just one of the same to me. Yeah. Um, leadership equals influence. And in my opinion, I mean, anybody can be a leader if you're able to influence another person. And to me, that means um, a challenging their thinking. So mm -hmm. getting them to shift their perspective on something, um, getting them to th think differently, mm -hmm. um, influencing them to take an action that they didn't think that they were either capable of or needed some guidance on. Um, and that's why I think executive assistants and chiefs of staff are the ultimate influential leaders or the ultimate leaders all yeah. we do all day is influence people um, without a title, which is a hell of a lot harder than those who do have a, a standard, you know, leadership title. Um, so yeah, for me, it's all about um, about influence. That is what leadership is. Changing again, changing someone's perspective, getting them to think differently, um, uh, like g giving them resources again, to either getting them to think of something from a different perspective or. Uh, maybe questioning a decision that they made, not questioning it in a negative way, but just, did you think about this or what, what, you know, how did that turn out? Um, just helping them grow. That's what leadership is. Yeah. I, I, I feel that many assistants are so much more influential than they perhaps realize or, mm -hmm. um, or kind of acknowledge for themselves the, very many of the most brilliantly successful people I've met are executive assistants from their ability to take ideas and create strategy around it and help people really execute their vision. These are enormously, enormous qualities of a leader, but this is something I feel like people are talking about more than they used to, for sure. It's like a, we are having the discussion about leadership more regularly now than ever before, mm -hmm. which is such a big plus. Yes, agreed. Yeah, and um, I think that, um, yes, both assistants both are, they lead throughout the organization, but mm -hmm. which is incredibly important, um, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, checking in with a team member or, you know, very nicely poking somebody to remind them to prepare something for their executive, whatever the case may be. There's a, there's a lot of those influential skills going around, but I think the, um, I don't want to say the most important, but one of the most important is of course, leading your executive um, as an assistant leading, leading up to your executive, which can be very challenging, sometimes intimidating yeah. a process. Um, but um, I know from my own personal experience and also just from talking to other assistants and chiefs of staff, if you're able to do that for your executive, I mean, that becomes an invaluable partnership because they don't always have those people who are going to challenge them or who are going to give them a different perspective or who going who are going to um, remind them nicely that that's not an alignment with what you said two weeks ago or that's not actually part of our quarterly objectives. And that's some harebrained idea that we probably shouldn't be going, <laughs> going and, and uh, you know, spending time on. So that's influence too, is not, you know, having, having a distinct viewpoint and sharing your opinions backed up with facts and research, of course. But um, I mean, being a partner and being a business partner to your leader. I wonder how you feel that people can get started with that. If that's something that they're hearing and, that feels like, you know, that often when we listen to other people's experiences, we can think that's something I want to do. Or I'd like to start to take small steps because sometimes it can feel so far removed from what we're doing yes. or that we're not conscious of it, excuse me, or we're not conscious of how we can actually take those steps. Is there some way that you can maybe 
shed a little bit of light about how people can start to create that. Because partly what I feel is that if we want to, to create change in our careers, we have to look at creating a kind of runway to where we want to be. And often when I have conversations with people who are looking for roles, it's as if they want to come out of one role and step into something completely different. Whereas being able to really utilize where you are and get everything you can from that experience is just smarter and easier long-term for mm -hmm. you to, to create a kind of bouncing off point for yourself. So it would be great to hear what your thoughts are about how you could start to kind of create those, those opportunities for change if you don't already do that. Yeah, there's there's so many things that come to mind for that. Um, a little bit, a bit of it depends on, of course, the relationship that you already have with your executive. Um, I would say if you already have that sort of relationship where they aren't, that where they're very open to feedback or very open to ideas, then um, in that case, it's going to be much easier. And I just always go into the um, the question mode and ask just really honing your ability to ask really great questions is going to further that not necessarily the relationship because if you already have a great relationship that's a great starting point but it's going to further your strategic thinking but also theirs um, to maybe think of a think about a decision that they made in a different way to make sure that they're considering all angles um, and for me that's what a lot of this leading up is is just asking really really great questions yeah. um, so there's a lot of different resources out there on how to ask powerful questions. I would do research on that and start to almost become that coach to a certain degree for yeah. your executive. Um, that's if you've already got, if I've got a great relationship, that would be like the first next step I might dive into more is honing your questions, question asking yeah. skills. Yeah. If you don't have a very good relationship and you're trying to build that, um, the, the first thing is, are you doing your, having meetings every week? Um, that's like the first step. Two, I would, uh, I would. To me, it's always just about honesty and, and asking permission. Um, so, I would tell them what you're trying to do and that you're really trying to do X, Y, Z. You want to become a better partner to them and a better leader. And in order to do that, here's why I want to do that because it's going to benefit you in the business. Mm -hmm. And then, in order to do that, I would really love to be able to ask you more um, probing questions during our meetings. I'd like to be in on XYZ meetings in the future so that I have a better understanding of your thought process. Um, that's one way you can go is just saying, here's what I want and here's why it's going to benefit you. Yeah. And is it all right to engage in these activities? Um, or you can go the route of uh, just taking initiative. And that's valuable too. Again, it, yeah. it, you got to feel out the relationship a little bit, but just start showing up, showing up to those meetings, showing up and asking the questions. Um, showing uh showing up with with additional information and those probing questions that i mentioned with a different mm -hmm. perspective with a well thought out um, research plan on a, a new initiative that's happening um when a new project is being proposed ask if you can um not even ask just raise your hand and say i'm i'm gonna take the lead on this project everyone good with that i'm imagining they're gonna say yes people love it when you step up and do projects oh god yeah um, we'll yeah Thank so you. really developing your own confidence to be able to um, step into that. And, and again, you could, you could do the go the route of asking, but another route is just work on your confidence and just go in and, and start taking action. And that goes a long way. You may make some mistakes along the way, you may get some pushback. But um, I still think that that I mean, most leaders are going to highly value somebody who's going to take things off of their plate and, um, and, uh, and just get things done. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. I think they're so grateful, aren't they? And and often creating the space, like you said, with the questions that seems to be such a good strategy to be able to understand someone's motivation as well, if you haven't cultivated a relationship like that, to be able to really start to understand what their goals are. And in previous mm -hmm. interviews um, I've had with people on the podcast, that the awareness that some assistants aren't sure of what the goals are they're not already sure of what the business is trying to achieve or their boss is trying to achieve with a specific project and if you don't have that information 
it's so hard to be delivering on the tasks that they want even because you don't know which one you really need to prioritize and so Mm -hmm. taking the time to have those conversations about what their top goals are what their what their priority is it seems like a silly not silly it seems like a basic thing to say but often when we're doing a job we can get to the point where we aren't having those conversations so even if it is just starting the questions now or restarting maybe at the beginning people do it it um those are fantastic fantastic strategies thank you Mm -hmm. i i suppose that assistance the conversations that are coming up regularly are about strategy boundaries creative problem solving this idea of changing and creating a space for your own career Mm. is something i love to hear people talk about i'm a hundred percent passionate about people doing the kind of work that they want to and understanding themselves in that process because skills on their own are not enough to create the career that you want i've read enough cvs to know that that's not going to work there has to be something else Mm -hmm. to the process and do you feel that you're seeing that too that people are being strategic about their career progression and how they're shaping their own lives and roles uh yes i i think so absolutely um just based off of the conversation sorry go ahead so happy (laughs) (laughs) love that shift in attitude i just feel i feel so relieved that it is happening yeah, me, me too. I, I love, I've always loved talking about it. It's funny, one, one of the questions you asked right in the beginning made me think, man, mm-hmm. I've always really been into career, like career development and, yeah. you know, trying to figure out like how to build a career. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't really, it almost it didn't even occur to me until you just asked me that. I'm like, I've always kind of been into that. But I, I that. yeah, but you, you're totally right that I've seen it a lot more with, um, I mean, I'm of course a, very ingrained in the real estate community. So just based on our industry, so there's a lot of administrative assistants, executive assistants, operations coordinators who are very much trying to figure out how to navigate their career. Real estate, they're in real estate, it's a lot of small businesses that um, are usually high, fairly profitable, um, which is fantastic. But there's not, they're not these organizations of you know hundreds of thousands of employees. It's always going to be maybe a team of five to ten staff members. Mm-hmm. Um, but within that, there are incredibly interesting ways to create your career, navigate your career. And I am having those conversations with a lot of those people. Um, I've been having a lot of conversations about the EA, the chief of staff progression, but yeah. it's not always just the EA. It, to our the conversation we were having, it's not always just about the EA, the chief of staff. What I think it, a lot of it is, is who am I? What do I want in my life? How do I want to live every day? Um, how much of my time do I want to devote to work? How much of my time do I want to devote to my family? What are the sacrifices I'm willing to make? What are non-negotiables for me? Mm-hmm. And and how do I build a career within all of those various, um, either uh, either self-imposed or externally imposed constraints? Yeah. How do I how do I build this career? And there are so many options, especially nowadays. That sometimes I think that can become overwhelming um, because you really can. I mean, you can do whatever you want within yeah. reason. So, yeah. I mean, you really can. So that in and of itself can become very daunting. Um, and then it always goes back to, I'm sure the conversations you have, which it always goes back to really digging in to yourself mm-hmm. and, and spending the time with yourself and doing a lot of self-discovery and 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 it deep dives into your inner being and really being honest about what it is that you want. Oh, a hundred percent. It's, it's, it's not an easy process at all, because like you said, there are so many options. And also we live in a, a culture that really, um, is excited by entrepreneurs, you know, and, and so this idea that, you know, we have all the options available to us, we can all do what we want to and create, as you said, the kind of careers that we want to. And then that's just a question of overcoming personal 
obstacles, personal fears or worries about what we're able to do. But the assistant role I feel has always been able to lead people in different directions. And that's why, you know, people still enter businesses in an assistant role to get their foot in the door, you know, that that still happens, doesn't mm -hmm. it today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I originally, that's what I originally did. Yeah. Um, again, knowing what I know now, and what I so often teach and preach now is that that being an assistant is an incredibly dynamic career in and of itself. Yeah. But I may not have known that if I hadn't given it a shot, thinking I was going to become this, um, you know, luxury real estate mogul with my own reality TV show. You know. Oh yeah, we've all watched <laughs> that show. <laughs> yeah. So that's like that was that was my vision, and then um, very quickly realized that was not the case. But, um, but yeah, I do still think that you, that people are using the assistant role to, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, I also I love people to know that, man, it's a killer career in and of itself. And, and there are ways to, and actually I've talked to a couple of people or saw it on like different Facebook groups or something that they were like, yeah, I, I want to become an, an executive assistant. What should I study in school? And I'm like, this is amazing. How many people have said, raised their hand and say, I want a career as an EA from day one. I don't know that many people who have said that. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, a handful in my career, a handful. And the same for my profession. So many people fall into it. You know, I was intentional. I wanted to do it. Mm. But it's, yeah, it's, it's an incredible, there's an incredible freedom in understanding what you like to do and what you're good at. Mm -hmm. But I suppose that this idea for assistance that somehow it's also kind of vocational has been interesting to me as if it's part of your personality. And yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how to articulate that well, but that's always been an interesting element to the conversations that I've had with assistants is that the idea of loving the job and wanting to really excel in it but and you know until the last 10 years there hasn't been an enormous amount of awareness of how to be able to do that unless you were looking at what your friends were doing and you know this community has allowed people to expand their horizons about what's possible mm. and once you hear someone like yourself speaking about the transition into a chief of staff and what it means and how it felt it's very very powerful for people's understanding of how they can navigate their own move forward yeah. one yeah oh sorry yeah. go ahead no 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 please go ahead yeah it was just, it's just it always makes me think a little bit about especially with career career development that um, cause I did this too, for, for a long time where I, um, put I mean, two things, one, like put it, I put everything into my career, which that's just kind of natural for me, which whatever that's, but that's fine. If that's what you want to do, if that's not your thing, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. But, um, but almost more so like I put so much into being Adam's EA and Adam's chief of staff that I also expected so much from that role. I expected all of my fulfillment to come from that. I expected all of my income to come from that. I expected all of my, you know, identity and significance to come from that. Mm -hmm. And um, well, I, I learned a lot through a lot of personal growth and therapy and in coaches that um, that's not necessarily the case. However, um, I'm, I'm talking a little bit more so on the career side and like the financial perspective side. I think that we, I think that Adam should give me everything, right? Or I did, yeah. like, I should get all of my income from that. I give so much to it. I, but from a business perspective, there, you know, I'm also a business minded individual. I understand that the business will only maybe support an X number of dollar in salary. And so oftentimes when we're working on developing our careers, we think it, more salary, more projects, higher, uh, you know, more responsibility. All of those things but that doesn't always equate to a higher dollar amount depending on the, the scope of the business however what i've learned over the years and being in a very entrepreneurial environment is that there's ways to get creative around that mm -hmm. um in terms of and to me that because i want to be in the same job for who knows how long i'm gonna i want to be adding super staff for however long that doesn't mean that my career is not going to continue to develop my career will continue to develop within that space 
um, with uh, earned equity in different projects that we embark on. Maybe we found a company, found a company together. Okay, great. Maybe I have an ownership percentage in that. Um, maybe there's there's opportunities to coach or speak or train and, and get additional income that way. So to me, it's this foundational part of my life is being an EA chief of staff. But there's so many other parts to my career that aren't just within that one lane. Um, so I kind of went on a bit of a tangent there, but hopefully that made some semblance of sense oh, about career development. Yeah, completely. Because I also feel like maybe because, you know, I, I have a lot of empathy for you at throwing everything at your career. That's certainly what I did initially. And it didn't turn out as well as I'd hoped because I was a new mother and burnt out and had a business and I in a recession and I needed to keep going and I was I didn't know what to do because that's all I'd ever done was work and work really hard and that had been the thing that was how I validated myself as a person my work ethic and all these things and you're right a hundred percent right that taking a bigger picture of what's available to you to get the kind of emotional nourishment and development, not just from work, that finding alternative ways to create the life that you want, which is so possible today, you know, that we are in a position where we can do all of those things, which is phenomenal, is allows you to then also, I imagine, be creative in different areas of your life to feed different parts of yourself. It's a very long-winded way of saying, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's so many other opportunities come from that too, both for my main job, you know, um, there's been a lot of different opportunities that have been created that I can then bring back to my organization, with, which only makes me a more valuable team member. Um, yeah. And there's just been other opportunities that have opened up in life in general by by being more open to exploring things outside of just my narrow lane of EA chief of staff. Yeah, um, cool. So it took a while to get there, but I'm very glad that I finally got there. Yeah, but it, I, it certainly feels as you're speaking about your career that you take a an overview quite regularly of what's working for you, what's not, how do you continue to develop mm -hmm. and do you think that comes naturally to you or do you reach a pain point and then you have to do that? I mean, we all do to a certain extent, but sure. it feels like you get to see, or your one of your sort of many talents is to be able to see the overview of things and then how to work that out. Yeah, I would, yes. If you go back to like all the basic behavioral assessments and, and, all, and all of that stuff, like the, the Clifton Strengths Finder, one of my, I think my number one strength is futuristic. So it's very, yes, I'm very like in the future vision oriented and can kind of work backwards and fill in the holes and the gaps from there. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like it's an easy answer to just say, yeah, it's behavioral. I've always been that way, um, which is true. I'm a very curious individual. I'm always looking for more information and um, to input so that I can then do something with that information and have it serve some sort of purpose. That's always been um, pretty natural to me, but if it doesn't come naturally to somebody, um, I, 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 I am very big on doing those very various, um, internal assessments and maybe monthly or quarterly and seeing, um, taking a real good stock of what it is that you want and where is the gap, where's the gap in your knowledge. Who do you need to become in order to, to become the person that it, you know is that leader? Okay, what do you need to do to become that person? Well, maybe you need to read two books a week to become yeah. that person. Maybe you need to start meditating. Uh, you know, whatever it is, you can work backwards. Is be very clear on um, who it is that you want to be and what you want, mm. and you can kind of fill in those gaps or get very um, or get very tactical on. Okay, I really need to learn more about change management. Great. Mm spend the next month studying change management. Yeah. And then the next month, maybe you need to learn how to better understand financial standings. Great, the next month spend, you know, so you can always be leveling up on, on your knowledge base if you're continuing to take those self-assessments that like you mentioned. Well, that's, um, that's the horrible trick, isn't it? Is that if you don't look at how you want to move forward and know where you want to be, how can you fill in the gaps? And so creating that opportunity to do that, it really leads me, quite um, 
brilliantly for my own personal interest about your 411 form. Because yes. I'm like you, I can't stop learning. I, I never have like my headphones off at home. Everyone gets very annoyed with me. I'm listening to another podcast, another thing, because I'm just so curious about what it is that I'm not doing or could do or mm-hmm. and I never have enough hours because there's always so much I want to achieve. So this productivity, I don't know how you call it a hack, no, a process is more mm-hmm. to the point. Please explain what your 411 form is and how you use it because sure. I was mind blown when I heard it. I was like, how am I not, have I not done this? This is such a good yeah. idea. I have to start. So I'm going to yeah. get well, I can't, I cannot take credit for it. It's, it, it was created by a brilliant um, individual, Gary Keller, and in his team from Keller Williams Realty. But, um, and we've actually kind of, I've, I've adapted it and morphed it over the years. So I, I call it um, my weekly execution plan. Oh, love um, Yes. And we have that as a downloadable resource. We can send that out to everybody. <gasps> Amazing. Yes. Great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the basic concept of it is getting very clear on um, whatever category, the typical categories are your job, your personal financial, your personal. Um, I have a fourth category in there that I like to have, which is basically either my side hustles or my um, kind of my growth, like what do I want to learn? Um, So those are my four categories. So every year I get very clear on what do I want to accomplish in those four categories that's my one year. And then, um, the, um, every month we go, I go through and what do I need to accomplish that month in order to hit that yearly goal? And then every week I go through and what do I need to accomplish this week in order to hit the monthly goal? So in theory, if every week, which is the four part, every week you are hitting your goals, you're inevitably going to hit your monthly goal. And if every month you are hitting your goals, then you will inevitably hit your yearly goals. Um, so I've used that thing every week for 10 years. And that is pretty much the only like organizational goal setting tool I use, um, that plus a notebook with a daily to-do list. That is all I do. And it has really kept me on track and very focused because it's not a to-do list. And that's the difference. It's not a to-do list. It's a very focused. Here are the main priorities that are going to move my career, my business forward, mm-hmm. this, my personal life, my personal financial life for this week, this month, and this year. Um, So I use the future self tool as well. That's kind of like more of a vision casting thing for three years out. But in terms of a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month tactical tool, I use the weekly execution plan. Yeah, and we're busy, busy, aren't we? You know, we're busy in our lives and our jobs. And But taking the time to look at it refocuses your priorities. So even if for a few days you haven't identified what those priorities are because you've been so focused on something else, Mm-hmm. It just brings you always back to what you're trying to achieve. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> I do I do mine every weekend to prep for the week ahead. Yeah. So that's part of my kind of weekly um prep prep routine. But then you're you're so right. Every if I'm kind of like in my day and I'm stuck in my emails or whatever, mm-hmm. I literally I have it sitting right next to me right now. Yeah. I go back and look at that 411 and just say, okay. I'm kind of in an email, stuck in my email loop right now. What's yeah. really important? Because my email is not really that important right now. What is? And I'll look at my 411 and go, okay, next project and like go. Yeah. Um, so it really does help me stay very prioritized, very on track. And again, to keep the business moving forward. Yeah. I and mean, I think that's the thing we can. And also I tend to, if I'm, if I'm not feeling 100%, then I get to, I tend to do things that I find easy but they're not actually moving me anywhere. Right. And I can do that for a good half a day, you know, like, and then realize that I haven't actually done the thing that is gonna actually move the needle on anything. Mm-hmm. So I really like the idea of keeping it front and center and just reevaluating. Cause when you break it down, it's like all of these things for all of our lives, if you can break it down, then it's just so much more manageable and you do hit things. It's like when I learned, um, about the 168 hours in the week and that, that if you started at Monday at 5 a.m then halfway through the week would be Thursday and I was like mm. my mind was blown I'd lived the whole of my life working on a Monday to Friday basis and completely ignored my weekends really mm-hmm. they were just they were kind of like extra <laughs> extra yeah. things but 
when I actually heard it, it was like it had the same thing for me. It really, it made me really think about how I was planning and utilizing. So thank you very, very much for that. It was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was brilliant. And there is, there's so much that we could talk about time blocking obsessed also that you've talked about. And I also heard in an interview that you did when you were talking about hiring, but I think we'll probably have to keep it for another day. I'm conscious I'm going to keep you on here forever. And the hiring bit might just be my own enormous curiosity about how you, how, what your process is, because it sounds really dynamic and interesting. Sure. But how can people get in touch with you so that they can find out more about what you're doing? they can access resources such as the um can you tell me the name again not the 411 it's the oh the weekly execution plan that's it so we can make sure that they can get that what's the best place to find you yeah if you go to founderandforcemultiplier.com you can get a bunch of free resources all of our blog is on there link to the book we do have another course coming out a four-week course coming up starting in april so oh, that'll be on the on the website shortly so just go there and you can access everything. All of it. And what's the course about, the one that starts in April? Yeah, we've done it a couple of times before, although every time it's a little bit different because yeah. we learn more and we like, you know, we bring new new content to it. But it's just called the Founder and the Force Multiplier. We go through four um, sessions. It's both myself and Adam. We highly recommend that both the founder or the executive and their assistant take it together. That's yeah. the intention um, so that they're learning um, leadership and uh, communication skills together to really form that strategic partnership. Well, that's so powerful and makes 100% sense, doesn't it? With one without the other is, you know, it's very difficult to mm -hmm. create new momentum and move forward. So thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Oh, I love that conversation. Talking to Hallie about what she's achieved and accomplished just makes you realize the organizational capacity that she has in order to be able to go after the goals and be really strategic about her career and I love her open and honest um, discussions you know about how she's found things difficult over time when she was letting go especially of work with Adam when she was moving into her chief of staff role so cool and details of the course are available in the show notes as are all the links for the downloadables that she mentioned and information about how you can get in touch with her be sure to share it on social if you've got some value from this i'd love it if you could share it online thank you so much for listening and for all your support and make sure you follow me too take care